Welcome to episode 51 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, Frontline and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is Alison, Daniel, and Kim. Hi. And we have a very special guest reviewer. <laughs> I've just, I somehow managed to convince to come on. I don't know how, don't know why. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, one half of the comedy duo uh, Innes Lloyd as well. Uh, I, I guess it will be a duo, but something that he had done recently, it was a trio. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to go into it. I'll let him explain. We actually have guest reviewer Rob Lloyd. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh. Oh. And thank you so much for bringing a studio audience in. It's so fabulous to have uh, so many people here just to record a podcast. I really love your commitment. And what an honour it is to be here on Champagne Comedy, the, the, the sh- my people. You know, yeah. I, I thought I was, I thought like, like Jem from the Dark Crystal, I thought I was the only one and you are my curers. I have found people who love The Late <laughs> Show and anything working dog related as much as I have. I'm so excited to be here and finally talk about, you know, you know something that I love that isn't just to myself. This is awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of which, uh, you might as well uh, reveal or just explain what had happened late last year. Well, at the time of this recording, I should say, uh, it's 2023, but uh, last year, 2022, was the 30th anniversary of The Late Show. And what did your comedy team do last year? Well, uh, Mr. Innes and I, for about 10 years, have uh, been doing one-off tributes um, uh, every year to celebrate uh, certain milestones for you know, touchstones in, in pop culture and within the zeitgeist. So we've done... Uh, yeah, our first ever one was the tenth anniversary, uh, the thirtieth anniversary of Ghostbusters. We've done uh, the anniversary of Labyrinth. We've done the anniversary of Princess Bride, uh, the first Harry Potter film. We've done uh, when when the first episode of Red Dwarf aired. Anniversary. Um, we've did wow. the fortieth anniversary of the Muppet Show. This is something we do every year, um, and we had to take a break from that, obviously, with that whole pandemic thing. Um, yeah, so uh, we mm-hmm. thought we'd uh, come back uh, strong. So um, uh, last year was, of course, the 30th anniversary of The Late Show. So I pitched to Innes going, I want to do a, a tribute, one of our tribute shows to The Late Show. And he said, um, look, I love The Late Show. It's great and stuff like that, but no one's going to come see it. Nobody talks about it anymore. So it's not going <laughs> to, you know. But we'll do it, Rob. We'll do it because you're so passionate about it. And uh, we put tickets on sale and the first show sold out in uh, three days. So uh, much to the help of uh, Champagne Comedy and, uh, and, the, and the, the Late Show Facebook group uh, shared the message around. And so we did two uh, shows, one sellout, one close to sellout, just celebrating uh, the history, uh, the legacy, uh, the songs, the sketches, and uh, those fabulous people behind, um, you know, the most influential comedy variety show in Australian history, especially over the last uh, 30 years. Well, th- that's a perfect explanation for it. In fact, I, <laughs> thank, I you. Well, thank, you. thank you very much. I didn't know I was being assessed on this. <laughs> but of course, we're all obsessive nerds with the late show. Of course, you've got a checklist going, you better hit every single point or you are dead to us, Lloyd. 
Well, I, I do have, if you don't mind, I do have a snippet of uh, the footage you actually uh, uploaded to YouTube of the star right. one-hour show. It's actually a, a montage of your fabulous singing. So if you don't mind, <laughs> you haven't heard this, but I compiled it <laughs> earlier today. I'm very interested to see how my voice has been manipulated. All right. Well, I will say that the clip actually <laughs> went for 10 minutes, but I got it down to a delicious minute. Just run out of Melbourne cliches. We just run out of Melbourne cliches. Car wash, mouthwash, acting college, Boy Scout, your shout, eating porridge. These are things us wogs would never do. Oh, we don't like watching Channel 2. Sandhurst machinery has everything you're looking for. Got those standing at a party with an old friend whose name you cannot remember and having to introduce her to somebody else blues. I wanted to have a hit, but it's been out for weeks and nobody's buying it because it's four and a half minutes of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's four and a half minutes of shit. Skimmies are back! Fantastic. Oh, excellent. Amazing. Yeah. So pretty much you can see um, one-off shows are just a way for me to finally sing the songs that I've been wanting to sing since I was a child. Like, you know, I only wanted to do one of the many reasons I wanted to do uh, the Muppet show, uh, Muppet movie anniversary show, so I could sing all those incredible Paul Williams songs. Uh, and for this, you know, I'm a huge, I'm actually a legitimate Things of Stone and Wood fan. So the That's perfect... Cool blend of my favorite band and my favorite comedy influence coming together for um melbourne cliches to get to open up the show with that was um uh little <laughs> little 15 year old uh, robbie is uh looking at 45 year old robbie now going thank you rob <laughs> i think you and i have something in common rob because um i used to do student radio back in back in the 90s and we always used to get out my uh, muppet movie cassette and we would sing over the top of moving right along on, oh. on the radio i mean hopefully no one was listening so it was fine but um <laughs> you know th there is there is absolutely a desire to to just sort of be part of these classic moments i think so i completely understand where you're coming from there it's where we yeah it, we use the power of nostalgia for good yeah if only DC Studios uh, could uh, to listen to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, you got away with Doctor Who, and I, I don't know what the situation was with Daleks because there's a lot of copyright on Daleks, isn't there? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, what, yeah. One of my one of one of the sketches that I kind of forgot ever happened. There's a, a classic Doctor Who uh, late show sketch with Rob Sitch playing uh, Fourth Doctor. And Tony yes. Martin playing a version of the Brigadier, which I think was written by Tony Martin because he grew up watching uh, uh, Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee Doctors when he was growing up in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, it's uh, just how all the nerd and fandom all connect together. It's great. So, Daniel, you went and saw this show, didn't you? I did. I definitely had to represent the podcast and uh, see what it was all about because, um, yeah, I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't know that there would be a full video of it uh, going up. So, you know, this could be my only opportunity to see it all. What I liked about the show is that 
There's a lot of stuff uh, there for the hardcore fans, us nerds, uh, but also plenty there for the people that don't know uh, the subject matter so well. Yeah, we try we try and um, keep it as open as possible for uh, all audience members to come. I, I've been I've been working within the comedy industry over twenty years, and I've done a lot of um, shows with a lot of strong supporters, if you would say. So we don't want to exclude them. We want to make everyone <laughs> feel welcome. Yeah, we, we we want we want more people in our club. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, um, and so it's it's always great to find that balance of seeing how many facts we can include to trip up some of the hardcore fans, but also give some facts that all us fans know, but um, regular audience members go, actually, that's some really interesting stuff. So a big fact that we Mm. keep on pushing one of our big elements is fun facts. We want to include as many fun facts about the late show, whether it or any of our um, uh, one-off tributes. Well, I'm going to put you Rob and also Alison, Daniel, Kim to a challenge. So Ooh. if this works, I'll leave it in. Is the it podcast. just a ge- is it is it just a general general challenge? <laughs> just general. Are you, challenge. Cha- are you challenging me, Matthew? Are you challenging me to get a donut roll? Or oh, we can go get with wet newspapers yeah. and go. Fop, fop, I've got my fop. pencil here. I, I haven't got any chocolate royals. How can I participate in this? Well, maybe you can like, just, I can go fop, I've got, but I, can, I can't. I can, do that. I can get a I can get a beer oh, bottle. Yeah, I go. Yeah. Shh, see, it's a trick. <laughs> I'm going. Shh. See, this is what I'm saying. I don't get to talk to anyone about this. I I can have a solo fight with wet newspaper. Is that helpful? Look, yeah. I'm not kink shaming anybody. You, yeah, yeah. I am not yucking anyone's yum. Everything's acceptable as long as there's consent. Oh, you're good. You're good. All right. As I was saying, uh, if this works, then I'll leave it in the podcast as well. And because this is more visual than anything, uh, this is probably a good chance to actually watch this snippet only on our YouTube channel. But we'll see how this goes. So please bear with me if this doesn't work. If not, I'll chop it out. In in the spirit of Rob's show, the the idea here is to reach Bruce McAvaney impression level, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so I, when I was watching it on YouTube, I think I did reach Bruce McAvaney impression level. So, you know, hopefully yeah, I was- can keep up. Um, uh, Innes Innes and I have been doing comedy for 10 years or so and uh, often when we do music in our one-off shows, we bring in um, one of his oldest dear friends, Christian Bazzari. Um, And uh, Christian was a huge Muppets fan, so we just were riffing back and forth and Innes was just watching on the side going, that's nice. And when it comes to the the Late Show, it's the exact same thing. Uh, Christian introduced Innes to the Late Show back when they were kids. And so we were just riffing with our Bruce McAvaney impressions in rehearsals and Innes is on the background going, I feel so left out. So, um, but yeah, we, we, we almost passed out. We were so excited. I I could go on and on. And And I will. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Kim, you're in. Daniel, you're in. Mm -hmm. Alison, Rob, sweet. Okay. I've got a pile of pancakes on my head, apparently. (laughs) All right. So the basis behind this will be, um, can you all read that screen clearly? Yeah. Okay. Because you want, it's a visual thing. So... Uh, there's about six or seven questions and each of them you've got about 10 to 20 seconds to answer there will be a timer and it's all it's either going to be true or false or multiple choice okay no no yeah (laughs) the shame (laughs) so i'm gonna be okay sorry i got distracted by just adding accessories to my um uh profile image oh it's okay it's all good it's all good (laughs) okay 
We've got a class eye monocle. All right. I gave my yeah, I gave my fox a monocle. So there that's how go. smart I am, Matthew. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So it's the quickest to respond um, or win. Okay. So here we go. A champagne comedy quiz. Three, two, one. True or false? Name of these two are Gavin and Oz. Oh, Gavin and Neville Oz. True or false? Hey, everyone got it right. It's false. We're actually <laughs> Jeff and Terry Bailey. Bailey, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Scoreboard. Who answered fast? Oh, Rob answered it quickly. So he's the one with the fastest, uh, fastest internet, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. All oh, right. Okay. All right. So that's that's where we're going now. It's uh, so it's not about my actual knowledge. Go. Oh, it's the speed of the internet. The sp- <laughs> I see the sledging starting early here. That's to unbelievable. Be, to, to be fair, we all know the answer. It's just that I think my internet's a bit slower well, than yours. Yeah, we'll you're see. further away too. Well, we'll see. That, that's that's what anybody who isn't the winner would say. Yeah. Well, you're closer yeah. to Italy. <laughs> What are you saying, Daniel? You're having a go at me. You're having a go at me, Daniel. What do you mean by that? I'm casting aspersions, mate. All right. Next. Next. Apologise to Boonie. Buddha Boonie. Name this potluck contestant. And that's an image of someone playing a mouth harmonica. So you've got Pippi the Bell Ringer, Ian Evans, Greg Evans, or the Nelligan sisters. Ah, everyone got it right. It's Ian Evans. So here we go. Is the fastest Daniel G, and yeah. is in the league. Oh wow! So Allison's gone up to. And, and I could, I could hear hey. that. I could hear that daft clicking <laughs> harmonica impression in my head when I saw it. <laughs> Look how quickly the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Here I start strong and then drop really quickly. I feel during like the, David Warner during the Mr. Whippy Grand Prix. What disqualified the softer gelati team? Serving slush puppies, the soft drink cans exploded. Not using the indicator when turning or playing Led Zeppelin's three. About 10 seconds. Oh, I've forgotten this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. what? Oh. oh, so <laughs> two people got it right, two got it wrong. Interesting, but the answer was playing Led Zeppelin's three. Because uh. they didn't play dum dum yeah. dum 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 dum. Yeah. Rob's on yeah. fire, but Daniel G was the quickest. Uh. He's, at two, he's number one at the moment. It goes Daniel, oh, wow. Rob, Kim and Allison. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Rob has the highest streak of three. Mm-hmm. Next, please. <laughs> Name this degenerate. And it's a still of someone from the Christmas thing. So it's John Harrison, Michael Beach, Nick Buffalo, or Zeppo Dado. And everyone got it. <laughs> it's John Harrison. Really quick, that one. Yeah. Well done. Who, who got Daniel G still ahead? Oh, my God. Yeah, he was the quickest. And, but Rob is second. Kim's third. Allison's on four. So here we go. True or false? Philip Brady assisting Tony in this video store skit is referred to as a showbiz asshole. True or false? Uh. No, two got it wrong. Oh, man. man. Uh, it's actually <laughs> false. He was referred to as the celebrity stooge. Celebrity stooge. Who, uh. Rob and Daniel got it right. Well, we'll find out who actually, but Rob's oh. ahead now. Just overtook me by yes. what, oh, 50 something points. All right. Can I just points? say, I, I am working with the handicap of not having access to 
all the actual original episodes. I'm just going by <laughs> yeah. clips I can find on YouTube and the officially oh. released DVDs. DVDs and VHSs. You'll find out there's one question where if you've been listening to the podcast, you're going to get. If not, then that's proof that you Ooh. haven't been listening to the podcast. Oh, God. So wait okay. for it. All right. And I've been I'm in six, all of them. Oh, my God. Double the points. Who is allegedly to, this meant to be a parody of? Ross Warnicky, Steve Weiser, Daryl Summers, or Andrew Knight. And it's Rob during the dinner sketch in the ponytail. <sighs> Seven seconds. Ooh, three oh. people got it right, one got it wrong. Oh, and that was the answer me. is Andrew <laughs> Knight, apparently. So Allegedly. Allegedly. Is that still alleged after 30 something years? <laughs> yeah. We're just like well, to play with quite that. But it is would... quite funny if you used to watch the if you used to watch the panel and the way that Rob Sitch used to talk about how he'd travel all around Europe fishing and stuff like that. And I got to the point where I was watching it going, Oh my god, he's become the character that he was making fun of in, in <laughs> That's why he was so good at playing it. Yep. So good, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, no method acting, it's just actually him playing himself. So Rob has a streak of six correct answers in a row, but Daniel's ahead. And then goes Rob, Allison, then Kim. Ooh. So last one. All the points. Who, what does Mick pull no. out for this sketch? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, mate, with the chicken oh, no. oh, no. Uh, no. oh, 50% of you got right. <laughs> the, the answer is... Oh, come on. It's clearly chick magnet. That's not fair. Shit magnet. Don't worry, no one got it. Um, there was a false one. So, all right, who has no. come? Number three, Allison has come third. At Yay. Who's number two? Rob has come at second. And number one, wait for it. Daniel G has won. Oh, wow. Yay. Well handful. <laughs> if, this, if the last one was real, I would have, would have won. Oh. <laughs> There you go. That's I, I would, yeah. That's good. Cool. Thanks for playing. <laughs> no, we. That went really well. I think it was the 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 hat with the propeller on top in my avatar there that really uh, uh, made me smart. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. Thank you for playing that, and I'm sorry for wasting <laughs> ten minutes of your time, everyone. <laughs> All right, straight into it. The view's magnificent. You'll bar up. Houseboat Horror has been fully released on Blu-ray. Bought a copy of it. It's got the extra bit of the undiscovered masterpieces of the cinema in it from The Late Show. Now, that's the only newest clip that's been legally released. <laughs> and you think, <laughs> uh, what can I say? I don't want to spoil it, but if you do make the purchase... It's probably best if you buy it for all the added extras for it, uh, including that Late Show snippet. Um, unfortunately, I was disappointed by the quality of that clip. It's, it looks like it's a YouTube rip. In fact, ah. yeah. Oh, wow. I will say that um, there is a particular moment during the clip where it has that VHS crumple or the flicker, so which looks like it came from someone's particular copy that's all i'm going to say but other than that uh houseboat horror great interviews uh, i listened the first 10 minutes of the commentary and there's already two late show references from tony martin doing the commentary on it as well there's nice little easter eggs i'll put it that way just just get it if you want to bar up <laughs> also um 
the uh, I've got a listener feedback. It is very pedantry, and I love it. Brad, aka Movie Moose Two on Twitter, says, "Hey guys, I'm surprised you didn't discuss the blatant advertising in episode 50 of." Frontline, Kate and Marty are talking about Marty's holidays and there's a huge Qantas logo in the background. Interesting considering their issues with Izuzu on a truck on the late show. So there is a screen grab which mm. I posted on socials and there's a Qantas um, logo in the background which straight up right. all advertising. You, you wouldn't have that on ABC. It was so ubiquitous that it just passed us by. Yeah. Wow. So uh, thank you very much, Brad. Judith got um, an honour in the King's Birthday Honours, didn't she? Yes, congratulations, Judith. I really like what she said. She wasn't originally going to accept it, but um, she said because of uh, 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 an official recognition of this kind of this height and power and sort of like um, uh, scope given to a woman uh, and at her age, she said it would it would be, you know, remiss of her not to accept it to show recognition for people uh for for women and people at that age and and in this field so she took it more Mm. as a a symbol as opposed to you know a recognition of the monarchy in any way shape or form which i found yeah classic judith lucy just always bringing the class yeah good statement and um her her sort of sometime comedy partner denise scott also got the same honor at the same time but Mm. i've got a little quiz for everyone as we've been kind of doing some quizzes just now can you name the other member of the late show cast who also has a an order of australia honor there's only one uh, tom gleisner correct yay Oh, well done. You were definitely paying I was, attention. I was, I was about to say not I Mick. Was. <laughs> no. By, by, by any stretch of the imagination. I would love to see Mick Malloy get his Order of Australia, but I, I suspect maybe he won't. And Unless it's perhaps for doing um, comedy in, in war zones or that kind of thing. Mm. You might get one. What he would have done to uh, the Pope or, or to God, give him a big wedgie, I'm, I'm just <laughs> expecting get- what he, if he got a sainthood. So imagine what he would do yeah. to uh, Charles and Camilla. I, I reckon he'd, well, he'd go to the ceremony and he'd sort of give the Governor General a bit of a wedgie. That'd be good. Probably do what he did to the uh, Channel 9 studio in one of the uh, earlier, in the first episode of the Mick Malloy show. Oh, just write his yeah. name when... Just urinating on the thing? Yeah, sure. Why not? Ah, the, the good old days of the 1990s and tel- live television on network TV, hey? But he he would have to he would have to write Mick Malloy OA <laughs> yeah. instead of just yeah, Mick yeah. Malloy, though, in piss. Yeah. So he'd really have to have a few beers to get that done. He'd ha- it, like, have to keep it going, at, like drinking at the same time while it, it's... Yeah. It, you know, it's... Well, you need one of the hats with the beer cans and the straw, you know? That'd be be good. Uh, The other thing that's come out uh, since the last episode is uh, nominations for the uh, 2023 TV Week Logie Awards. For the first time in quite a long time, uh, they're being hosted. The world's worst kept secret, rather, uh, came true in that uh, they're being hosted by Have You Been Paying Attention's very own Sam Pang? Yes. Congrats. Well done, Sam. So... And what about Tony? Yeah. Tony's involvement? Do you know? Do we know anything about that yet? Not sure, but he usually tends to mention it a couple of days out beforehand. Kind of got the feeling that the fact that it's changing channels from Channel Nine to Channel Seven, and the telecast is probably being done by a different production team, 
means maybe Tony might not make it, but, you know, fingers crossed we live in well, life. Well, it's at the Star City. And I think Pete Smith has kept at Channel 9 Studios in a cage and Tony Martin <laughs> won't do anything unless he can do it with Pete Smith. So there's a lot of mitigating factors. I think we do need to organise a um, escape. We need to liberate uh, Pete Smith from Channel 9 Studios. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, – oh, probably shouldn't say that online. Um, <laughs> let's let's use co- code names, okay? I'll be Q-Ball, Daniel, you be 8-Ball, Alison, you be 9-Ball, Kim, you be 8-Ball, and Matt, you be Furball. Oh, I was going to be cue ball too. Damn it. <laughs> Haven't we got two eight balls in that list? Yeah. <laughs> uh. <Cookie>. <laughs> Operation Copper Art. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, the Cheap Seats has been nominated for Most Outstanding Entertainment Program. Basically, Have You Been Paying Attention has been nominated for Most Popular Comedy Program and uh, Most Outstanding Comedy Program. And the front bar got a nomination as well, I believe. Yeah. They're up against, uh, have you I been paying attention? I think that was for sport, isn't no, it? for comedy, I think. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, it has. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the other one, it's not uh, really working dog related, but um, Sean McAuliffe uh, and his uh, Mad as Hell program have both been nominated for various awards. Um With uh, Sean up for the gold Logie. Come on, Sean, Ooh. take it home. Go so, Mouse Patrol. That'd, be, I mean, it's that'd sort of... be a moment, wouldn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Look, if Tom, if 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 Tom Gleason can win and and do a heartfelt slash piss take of it all, imagine what Sean McAuliffe would do. <laughs> like last time he won a, a Logie, he came on and said, "I'd like to thank Jesus Christ." That is, of course, if he voted for me. If he didn't, then screw him. Yeah, <laughs> and then he did thank the Dark Lord. The year later, there. so. Um, yeah, I'm, who's he going to thank next? Daryl Summers? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, Are you suggesting that Daryl Summers is, a, is above Jesus in the hierarchy of, of sort of immortal If you beings? talk to Daryl. Yeah. Well, in Daryl's world, he's, absolutely. He's, he's, had, nah. he's had more resurrections. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very surprised. <laughs> if you can imagine Daryl's many faces. Do the, do, do the, oh. the raised eyebrow and shifting I, cameras. Yeah. I can't wait for my meme to go live, you know, viral again. Yep. Yeah. The, the that surprise. is Matthew's meme. <laughs> yeah. It's, if you I'm see it. I'm claiming it. It was, I, I created it, spent a good half hour making it and actually came back, <laughs> came 10 forth the other week and someone tagged me in it and I went, oh, that's yeah, mine. That's mine. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> actually, it was Danny Tregoning who actually tagged me on it. So, hey, Danny. So, um, yeah, we're not telling you who to vote for uh, for the gold logie yeah considering the rest of the field hamish blake julia morris lee sales the only actor in it mark cole uh, smith uh, osher ginsburg and sonia kruger um yeah i definitely know um uh, whether uh, if it's uh, any of those ones or sean McCullough, i prefer sean McCullough. yeah yeah so uh, yeah. you should go up and yeah. take the award when he wins as milo kerrigan <laughs> Something like that. All right, that that, no. that truly is it for, for news. So um, cool. he should get Pete Smith to accept on his behalf, and then he could be banned from the Logies for life oh. or whatever. The oh it, yes, right? Dude looks like Dude a Logie. Looks like a Logie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! It's Daniel G and his program guide. Back to you, mate. <laughs> 
there was a little bit of feedback uh, from the article about Frontline in the last issue of The Green Guide. Um, it's a very short piece uh, titled Stonewalling on Frontline. So Gerald Stone would have us believe he has never discussed Frontline with Stan Grant. Is it any wonder current affairs programs lack cred credibility? I worked for seven years in a Melbourne TV newsroom and had some dealings with the station's uh, current affairs department. Frontline is a very accurate portrayal of what goes on behind the scenes. Congratulations to the Frontline team. The program is brilliant. And that's from Jennifer Murray in Oakley. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> so uh, one other thing uh, I found in the Sydney Morning Herald Guide is an article talking about why there's a swathe of red jacket-wearing women in news and current affairs. For some reason, they managed to get a quote from Brooke Vandenberg. Mm. Now, as far as I can tell, that's from the character. That's not from Jane Kennedy playing her, um, according to the way the article is written. Uh, as to why Brooke wears a red jacket, uh, Brooke Vandenberg says, uh, I feel like a real hellbreaker in any colour, but uh, red makes me feel positively fierce. The red jacket look is worn for uh, one reason, to make you stand out more than anyone else on the program. Look out for the bitch fights in the wardrobe department if more than one female reporter wants to go the red jacket option. Geez, so much before it, for its time. Nowadays it's white jackets, but back then it was red. Boring oh, point, it, it could just be fashion, you know. It was fashionable. True, true. Boring we are point. talking like close to the mid-90s here. Ooh, uh, yeah. fashion. That's the one. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll wear a red jacket interviewing a convicted murderer or the prime minister as long as people know who's doing the story. And uh, that article is right uh, above uh, a print ad for, uh, funnily enough, uh, an ad for a movie showing on Channel 10 uh, later on uh, this evening called Traces of Red, starring uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, sorry, James Belushi, I should say. Yeah, considering that this is a 1992 thriller starring James Belushi and uh, Lorraine Bracco, uh, the synopsis goes like this. A Florida homicide detective tries to find out who is sending him mysterious notes and systematically killing his lovers. Um, the review by Rod Bishop uh, says that uh, watching a thriller that fails to thrill is a bit like waiting for St Kilda to kick goals. Traces of Red borrows a bit from Jagged Edge, a bit from Sunset Boulevard and so on. But this story of a detective tracking down a serial killer ultimately fails to provide much interest or involvement for its audience. Over on Channel 7 in Melbourne, we had Talk to the Animals. And in this episode, Mike Lester visits a remote sanctuary for endangered species. Pam Graham assists a, a dentist working on the teeth of gorillas at the Melbourne Zoo. And Kelly Pomeroy dives with whale sharks off the coast of Exmouth in Western Australia. So, uh, yeah, that's in Melbourne. In Sydney, they had an episode of MacGyver. Nice. Where Nikki unknowingly becomes the target of an international terrorist group that is planning to detonate bombs across the city unless its imprisoned leader is released. Gee, bombs all over the place, and I'm guessing they had to be detonated by, you know, like a paperclip and some alfoil. Look, I'm if guessing. It, if it doesn't, Gee, I wonder who can do that. If it doesn't have Murdoch as the villain who they need to get out of that prison, then there's no point in watching it. <laughs> come on. Come on, MacGyver. 
Bring out the big guns. We want we want Murdoch there. Whatever. Yeah, I think it was Murdoch. That was the villain's name in MacGyver. I'm doubting myself now. Gee, that stare that you're giving me, Daniel, is just burning through my soul. I don't know either. You need to do a MacGyver I'm just, stage show. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm going by what's written in the guide. I'm just reading um, what's on the paper, Rob. Yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah, it was Talk to the Animals and MacGyver um, at 7.30, depending on where you are in the country. And then at 8.30, both territories got the three tenors in concert 1994. Of course. Oh. Luciano Pavarotti, Placido Domingo and Jose Carreras. Um, reunited to celebrate the staging of the World Cup in America. Mm. There was a similar three tenors concert in 1990, uh, which uh, aired on Channel 10 the previous Friday to this Monday. That was basically, that was aired on Channel 10 as a spoiler for this Channel 7 showing of the 1994 concert. So if you want to see some of the ads that showed uh, during the Channel 10 uh, three tenors concert, you can have a look at VHS Review episode 19 uh, on David M. Grant's YouTube page. All right, so uh, let's go to channel 10 and uh, uh, I hope you're uh, all wanting to get your lifestyle on. Let's see what's on Healthy, Wealthy and Wise. Jim Brown returns to Tasmania to visit Hawley House. Lynn Talbot looks at the humorous side of health and well-being. <laughs> Ian Hewitson. <laughs> so yeah, I know. What's so... Lynn Talbot laughs. <laughs> the humorous side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Ha! I've got a pus-filled boil on my arm. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Ian Hewitson prefer- uh, prepares fish and chips with a beer batter. Ross Greenwood reports on dual occupancy. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Uh, and Ronnie Burns um, demonstrates easy bike maintenance. Ronnie Burns. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I know plenty of... Which, which one of those would you uh, ring the 0055 number to get the fact sheet for, Rob? Oh, got any, anything, to do, anything to do with Ronnie Burns. Come on. He you know, helped uh, bring a gold medal... Uh, a taekwondo uh, champion into the world. So, and he sang a couple of songs as well. Right. Healthy, wealthy, and kick ass. <laughs> On the ABC, uh, we talked about Murder Most Horrid last uh, episode uh, and that they uh, started with the second episode of season two. So, thankfully, they're going back to the first episode of season two uh, tonight, uh, titled Overkill. In the midst of uh, composing a suicide note to her mother, a distraught woman is interrupted by a hit woman who needs her room to set up a murder. Mm. There we go. Plenty of options there. You know, plus there's also the World Cup uh, to look through. Uh, in fact, there's an ad for uh, everybody's favourite electronic device, the G-Code. <laughs> no! Talking about the World Cup. Um Trust the Yanks to schedule the entire World Cup while Australia is either working or asleep. But if you invest, they would invest in a G-Code instant video programmer, you won't miss a single goal. You see, G-Code makes programming your VCR simple. To record a match, you simply look up up the special G-Code number in your TV guide and punch it into your programmer. It's that easy. All right, I've, I've crapped on far long enough. We've got to get into the episode. Thank you, Daniel. Rob, I'm, you are doing the intro for the show. 
for the episode. Oh, am I? Yes, you do your best Mike Moore impression. Yeah, you just you just keep on giving me all oh, 15, 16 year old Rob Lloyd is looking at you now going, thank you very much, Matthew. Just wait for when we get to Funky Squad. I'm going to be petitioning to get on for an episode of Funky Squad so I can do my <laughs> best. Hey, you wouldn't say much if you got a bullet in the tongue. Ah, <laughs> cool. So here's the theme going and just warm up your vocals. And as soon as it's about to kick into the end, that's when you're doing your impression. It goes from there. All right. Hello, I'm Rob Lloyd. This is Frontline, Season 1, Episode 11, Smaller Fish to Fry. Broadcast Monday, July 18, 1994. Yay. Oh, Yay. And, and well, well done for, for putting in a bit of vocal fry uh, when you uh, said the word fry. Fry. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I think you're channeling the first person to appear in this episode, quite possibly. Which was? Well, we haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> we're, we're, we're almost there. No spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, <laughs> Come on, you've already watched it. You must know. I have. I've been watching it over and over again. Wow. Well, yeah, that's too obsessive. <laughs> so the synopsis of this episode, Mike investigates the story of his career. However, it could incriminate some of the nation's top businessmen. The powers that be want the story dropped. Will Mike stick to his guns? Mm. Find out. But re-watching the episode again just to get these notes and stuff like that, all the flags were there, like, the forward thinking of straight up the, the very beginning of it. The episode does start out with uh, a Media Watch segment uh, pointing out an easy target uh, story about a refrigerator repairman ripping off customers. You know, a very piss weak story that Marty does. And Stuart Littlemore calls him out. Yet another easy target for Mike Moore and the team at Frontline, the refrigerator repairman, public enemy number one. Oh, how very brave of you. Ever wonder why current affairs programs never go after the big fish? I do. Straight up there, sets the standard for the episode and it just builds up and crumbles down from there. Now, now also, just a, a slightly nerdy thing, but the, the little uh, graphic uh, to illustrate the frontline piece on MediaWatch says that this, well, technically it happens in the future because... Uh, yeah, the episode screened in July, but all of the events are taking place in October 1994. Pedantry. Well, not necessarily pedantry. Nothing wrong with that, but <laughs> maybe they're able to see into the future, you know. Well, a lot of people have already been commenting about, you know, how, um, you know, how a utopia, you know, had envisioned for all the difficulties with uh, Tasmania getting its own stadium. So, you know, they're just revealing more and more their ability to see into the future. So Working Dog, uh, pass on a bit of that clairvoyant activity to the rest of us. But they, they can only see a few months, oh. so it's not that good a superpower. <laughs> true, true. Well, it's still, it's still happening. So. Also in the script, they do mention that it's October because they have to shoot the Christmas messages. There's, there's a line yeah. that Jan has a bit later. So that's mm. that's why they have to 
sort of move it forward in time. Uh, yeah. Can I just say, Stuart Littlemore, Stuart Littlemore, what a wonderful voice. You could just hear that. He, uh, if he just eviscerated line. me on national television, I'd, I'd still get a kick out of it. You just yeah. just tell me how yeah. horrible and degenerate I was and I should be reaching to a higher standard. I'd go, yeah. Talk yeah, down tell to me, me Stuart Little. Yeah, tell, yeah. tell me how this, bad I this... am. <laughs> it feels like you're confessing your kink here. Yeah. Well, well, we're I, I think newspapers we, just a minute ago. <laughs> we're bringing it all out. We're doing the wet newspapers kink. We're doing yeah. my Stuart Littlemore kink. Kim, so you're next. Stuart Littlemore with a wet newspaper and that that's your ultimate. Stop it, Alison. I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to, to be fair, there is you can go quite down the YouTube rabbit hole looking at uh, 90s media watch clips of the of the the the, the OG classic Stuart Littlemore era. Do something God, allegedly listen. naughty and then hire him as a QC or K- Casey. Casey yeah. nowadays, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even brings the band with him as well. Mm, that's the way he likes it. <laughs> nice. The Sunshine Band, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike is inspired by Media Watch's comments, but Marty and Brian brush it off. Meanwhile, Rob gets a call from supposed hack reporter Bob Foster, which Mike decides to go down that track of. Well, he's not too bad. He's written some pretty good stuff, but you know he's burnt his bridge. Yeah, he's a he's an investigative journalist who I think probably annoyed the higher ups and sort of kind of the area where we're sort of working in in this episode and so he's freelance now this bob foster guy but you can imagine he was the sort of bloke who might have been at the age or the sydney morning herald or something and you know uncovered some government scandal and that just got too close to the bone for his bosses and they sacked him yeah marty does refer to him as a second-rate journalist but i don't think we we should take what Marty says with a grain of salt. He's a very cynical, yeah, I mean, what, cynical what man. What rate of journalist is Marty at? Like four? He does have a Walkley Award that oh, he keeps okay. in. No, it's a banana. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke and Emma do, uh, talk celebrity interviews. How'd you go with that Hutchins thing? No, initial interest in things went downhill. Did you tell him it was with me? Yeah, just before things went downhill. <laughs> What about this new fat cockiness? Look, I think I may have a better interview. The Prime Minister's office rang. He's a possibility. Aye, aye, aye. Can you imagine that? The PM of the time. Mm. And Paul the, Keating. Paul Keating. Paul Keating. Paul yeah. Keating. <laughs> Just love to <laughs> Just love to be insulted by him. Oh, oh, gee. That, that. in a in a in a well classed Italian suit. Oh, I'll tell you what. In the in the Xenia. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He With can, a few he, antique clocks ticking away in the background, he could put his hand behind my back and guide me down a procession anytime. Did you say <laughs> hand cause... or ham? You can you can interpret that hand whichever way you want, it. Matthew. You can sign my five dollar note anytime. <laughs> he did have a pig. He, he did have a pig farm, so it could well be ham. There we go. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yes. Now, also, uh, we've got uh, Brooke uh, counting calories as well. So, uh, quick, uh, what what is 157 divided by seven? Mm. Nobody. What is it, Daniel? Twenty-two point twenty-two point four two eight five seven one four two eight six. And yes, I am reading that off my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pie, then. <laughs> well, she can have lots of that though, because like, can't you have like a hundred and no, it's like a thousand two hundred calories or something? I don't know, I can't remember. 
I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, but keep in mind, it is renegotiation time. And so she's got to lose weight. So, yeah, okay. But that was the big running gag of season one of Frontline was that she was always trying to get the Michael Hutchins interview. This like It's brought up a couple of times in the season or am I just reimagining something that wasn't You're there? You're probably right. There is a storyline uh, later on in the series where, yeah, there is another Michael Hutchins uh, interview um, and, yeah, talking about questions you can and can't ask. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I was right. Daniel helped me there, so he didn't see into my soul. He saw into my heart and gave it a nice little hug. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> oh, he gave it a nice, nice little hand. hand. He did. He did. He did. With a $5 note signed by Steve <laughs> Vizard. <laughs> well, later in his office, Mike is on the phone to Bob Foster. How'd you like to go after a big fish? I'd love to go after a big fish. Sorry, what have, you, what have you got? Can you be in the Hyatt lobby by 12? Sure, but sorry, why me? No, I'll explain. Uh, sorry, what name are you travelling under? Bob Foster. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it all I like, I like this. It's, it's a running yeah. joke throughout the episode of trying to use yeah. like spy sort of pseudonyms and stuff like it's a John le Carre plot, <laughs> you know. It's great. I, this is what I love about season one and season two of Frontline. Mike is such a beautiful creation. He's just mm. a three-dimensional character. I mean, and he's just got so much levels and range and just how the excitement he gets into playing this like espionage type thing, you know. All right traveler do you hear all this type of stuff i i love that so much and they kind of lost mm-hmm. it a bit in season three when he became just pretty much the representation of ray martin but in season one mm-hmm. and two he was his own character he existed within the world of ray martin and mm-hmm. stan grant and yarn event and i love that i just love you know you see rob sitch really giving his all he just wants to be good but he's caught up by his own hubris and his own you know uh, clumsiness and um uh, emotional ineptitude it's um yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a this is a really really um good episode to highlight rob sitch as a performer because he'd done mostly you know mostly just sketch comedy stuff but he really has to push his range with the comedy but there's some beautiful acting moments with him and bruno lawrence and you know that's one one of the great actors of new zealand in the last 50 years um sadly no longer with us after season one but he matches matches bruno so beautifully well i was going to say the whole fact that mike was talking about fishing and all i've thought of was a river somewhere, seasons one and oh. two. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's when's that gonna when's that gonna get a four K release? When's yeah. that gonna get a Blu Ray release? Well, there's a foreshadowing. <laughs> Three years later. Yeah, I, I mean that's that, that's gonna be way way off. If we if we're yet to hit Funky Squad, <laughs> uh, yeah, like a river somewhere is like way past that. If, if you're going to keep on doing this, you're going to have to do every single episode of the panel as well. Oh, no, nah, we no. can't do that. I don't <laughs> think we can do that. <laughs> too much. Okay, that, we, have hit, we have hit the point, the, the, the hill you will not die on, and that hill <laughs> yeah. is the we'll, panel. We'll do Wait, the Mick Malloy show. We'll do the, the Mick Malloy show. Of course you've got to do Mick Malloy show. And there's show. only eight episodes of that, so that's pretty easy. But... Who would you sleep with if you were gay? Oh, <laughs> that's the I only say, segment I remember. Oh from. man, Jeff Jantz. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was actually one thing talking about Mike Moore's character. There was an article which I found from 1994 in one of the uh, reader reviews or 
viewer diary, I should say, from the Age slash Sydney Morning Herald, and that is uh, David Schwartz and Urgel uh, Schwartz. I do apologise because the name is actually quite blurred. Or, um, I'll just go with that. So they're range at the age 13 and 15, and David says that he lives for The Simpsons every night at 6 p.m., even though they're repeats, addicted to it, blah, 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 blah. I like some American soaps like Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place. There's no real substance or depth, but they're fun to watch. I like anything that the D generation does. I thought The Late Show was great. I don't like current affairs uh, shows like Real Life and A Current Affair. I don't mind... I don't find their stories relevant. That's why I like Frontline. I think it accurately sends them up. And then his sister says, Absolutely Fabulous has finished and I'm looking forward to more of it. It was so over the top. I also really like Frontline. Mike Moore is such a dope, but all of the characters are really <laughs> funny. It's probably a bit exaggerated, but it could be pretty close to what happens in TV current affairs. And then they go on about watching Vidiot and the footy show. <laughs> wow. Like you, you wouldn't think that a show like that would appeal to people as young as, was it 13 and 15? Yeah. I was around about, yeah, that was like, I was around about, yeah, 15, 16 for that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was 16 so. when I was watching Frontline, so I, it doesn't feel like a stretch. Mm. Yeah, really. I was 13, Yeah, I was in, in year 12, so yeah. I was a bit, a bit older, 17, but... I can see the 15-year-old at least mm. interested in that. Emma and Brooke prep for the PM's interview when Brooke knows nothing about politics. So it's just like, hey, get it on for a profile piece, a fluff piece. But it's like, so what are you wearing type thing or some gossipy type crap? Meanwhile, uh, Mike meets with Bob and calls out Frontline for not going for the big fish. And when Mike claims that the list of Bond, Scase and, and Sir Joe were big fish... He does point out that they were really easy targets. It's a beautiful written scene, that whole point of we went yeah. after, yeah. you know, Bond, oh, out of money, out of friends. Skase, oh, out of money, out of the country. Joby Pearson, he's out of his mind. Beautiful. Yeah. Just, yeah. just beautiful, like, sketch comedy style music It's a, it's a lovely rhythm. escalation, isn't it, as well, the way that Easily. it just builds up to out of his mind, yeah. But done just yeah. beautifully, like, made to be so natural like having such a quality cast working off each other the other bit that i really like in that scene was um you know mike talks about the fridge repairman and you know he ripped off someone by 80 bucks and then and then he says to you know you know and then bob Foster says well 80 bucks that's nothing and he says yeah but multiply that by a million and then bob Foster goes why <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love how th- this is a thing about Mike that he does so well in in as a character. He just he's just a sponge and he just parrots what yeah. other people tell him. And so with the whole he's he is convinced by by um, Brian saying the whole Brian in a that- previous scene wasn't it? Who said that you know yeah. yeah but if you multiply the eighty bucks by whatever. That it's huge about. Yeah, and yeah. Marty still knocks him down all the time. He's like, yes. "Who side are you on?" But <laughs> but um, but you know, uh, Mike picks Mike that up and it. uses it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think my 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 favorite bit of that scene is at the end when uh, Bob and Mike go to their respective cars, and uh, uh, Bob says, uh, "Crusading doesn't pay." Uh, to which Mike says, "I thought that was crime," and uh, Bob retorts beautifully. Oh, no, crime pays beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, just like Jeff and right, Terry right. Bailey. Yeah, they know. Uh, so <laughs> it's 50 bucks. It's a cork finish. Okay. It's a cork finish. <laughs> we recommend hosing down when on fire. Um, <laughs> um, just, uh, just, want to say, just want to add before we move on, um, Bob Foster was played by Aussie actor uh, John Arnold, and he did a, he's a f- fabulous job as playing this you know rough sort of like you've got he's got the the tip of a cigarette just in his mouth like he's just about to mm. he's perpetually just about to roll a cigarette in, in every situation <laughs> um and that's what i love about these early days of frontline uh with the, they just cast really solid you know experienced actors mm. so that you know these inexperienced performers in the world of dramatic performance like uh like rob and jane they can match it they they level up to these mm. great aussie actors um coming yeah. in and just doing a bit part once a once a week i should have asked him to come on the show i totally forgot my fault Oops. well I'm, I'm 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 sorry i'm not i'm not john arnold but i'll, I'll try my best can, can you do a rough mm. impression of him Oh, well, he's out of his mind. Oh, crime pays very well. <laughs> oh, Thank excellent. you. Done. Just he feels, like, feels like this sort of bloke who'd turn up in in Janus or Phoenix or yes. something, doesn't he? You know? Yeah. I think I did see him while Charlie the Wonder Dog was running through one of the shots. <laughs> oh, no, not Phoenix. Not Phoenix. It's a cop show. <laughs> Obscure, and I like it. It's contract renegotiation slash Christmas promo time and Jan and Brian discuss with rolled eyes. They all want a higher profile in order to up the ante. It drives me absolutely mad. You could have a lot of fun, really, in your position, couldn't you? I'm sorry? More, more profile? Mm, I don't think there's much point, Poppet. <laughs> An article on you? Now, waste of time, really. <laughs> 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 Don't tempt me, Brian. Oh, that is very good. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually impersonating the wife of the mayor from Parks from the 60s. You, you have to think about that one. <laughs> what is the actress's name who played Jan? I've tried to find her name and I... Oh, Genevieve Mui. Amazing, yeah. amazing. They only used her in season one and two. They brought in uh, the wonderful... Uh, Linda Gibson to play the the publicist type role in season three, but oh, Genevieve mm. is just that accent and that character of Jan. Oh, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. She's in that um, Netflix Wellmania series um, that was that was sort of. When did it get launched? A couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, we'll just not talk about yeah. that because there are it's, it's, it's like yes, nominated by the way. It's a tough against me being yeah. paying attention. And the front bar. Would you would you say that that looks at the humorous side of health and well-being? Ooh, I don't. Well, think mania. So. <laughs> it it depends if you find it funny, which I personally didn't. But you know, I'm sure there are other people who enjoyed it. Very diplomatic. Well done. <laughs> During a coffee, Mike does go through Bob's evidence of his potential bank and fraud scandal. Half the networks were on money borrowed from him. Major players, government connections. You can join the dots. Sorry, can you join them for me? (laughs) (laughs) There are some times when I just can't quite believe that he, you know, was actually hired by the ABC as a journalist in in his previous career, apparently. He was at 7.30 Report Perth or something. You just can't imagine he'd even get, like, a junior journalist job, a cadet job 
you know, he's such a dumbass. <laughs> you know. Oh, he means well. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of gotta have way. a you gotta have a bit of intelligence to be a journalist, even even if you yeah. just use well, that on dry clean, dodgy dry cleaners or something. He likes his investigative give journalism. That's 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 something that was a regular conversation in our household back in the day of going, how did Mike do this? How did he get mm. to this position if he's that? But there's one episode, I think it's Give Him Enough Rope. I don't know if that's season, I think it's season two. And um, yeah. yeah, it is season two. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the last episode of season two. It's I the last one, yeah. And um, that's and it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a similar sort of scenario where, um, yeah, he has to have the dots joined for him in terms of... Uh, Media ownership, and but but he figures it out at the end. He sort of like helped along the way, but then you think, oh, he's just going to do another Dunderhead thing, and then right at the end, you get that flip of, there he is. That's the journalist that you know made his way up to the ranks. Um, yeah, but yeah, sorry, that's a spoiler for when you get to that episode. <laughs> at the end of two. Don't go too far ahead. Oh wait, just like uh <laughs> season three already... episode. Th- oh, trust me, we already got something in the bank that was. Provided by uh, Boris, <laughs> so well, Boris. Yeah, yeah, and if I'm already, I'm already jumping ahead to to hopefully you do Funky Squad. So oh, okay, <laughs> yep, you'll be part of Funky Squad. <laughs> <laughs> you got to twitch your Sorry, eye, so right? I just got something in my eye. So it's just the high pollen. <laughs> it's the high pollen count. Oh. For those listening, Rob was winking. He was <laughs> winking. Don't give it away. Don't give away my. Cut this part out. Cut this part out. Cut this part out. <laughs> it's all the magic of cinema. I mean, podcasting. Podcasting. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Marty and Stu and Jace are stalking out the dry cleaning story, which. We kind of glossed over it, uh, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was basically an idea of uh, Domenica's um, to, yeah, well. As Emma protests, it's entrapment. Yeah. No, well, it's the, not. The idea it's is, to, is to put, you, you put 50, 50 bucks in a jacket pocket um, and then you put the jacket in at the dry cleaners and you see if the 50 bucks is still there when it's returned to you. Yeah. And also... And if it's not there, you basically barge into the camera them. and have a little chat. There's, my yeah. There's some of my favourite scenes in Frontline of just those shots of the entire cast just around the table and so just everyone talking over each other and all these moments and all these little things and there's just a performance there's a whole story going on behind every actor and you know we've only got the select the main leads of the main part but like Shelley and um and Kate and uh, you know or we even get a character of a Sunta we never meet a Sunta I don't think (laughs) she's almost as if she's a character that we meet that moment it establishes something down the track. So there's a couple of layers w- with what's going on here because while they're in the car, mm. Stu, like the way you hear it, it's just like a simple conversation brush off. But Stu realizes that the tapes aren't being labeled properly and it's like going, hey, could be a mistake or error down the track, could be mis- uh, lose the tapes or get erased. So, uh, that's on top of the dry cleaning stuff, which also evolves down the track. Yeah. Unfolds. And so, yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it's it's sort of Chekhov's videotape. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very it's very easy to label it. You just, you know, I, I'm sure yeah. you've all spelt it on your VHSs. P O R I thought Alison was about to pull out some porn just at that exact same moment. She pulled out well, oh, hey. D- depends if you line. think this is porn or not. The front line is, book well. with the centerfold. 
<laughs> with Mike with just a tie on the coat. Oh, oh. Look That's hard-hitting investigation. Yeah. It's Jeffrey Salter pointing at that H in a nutty. <laughs> Things are very squiggly down there. <laughs> Bit of a cold front. Be careful. It, be careful. It may take your eye out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mike uh, shows Brian the documents that Bob Foster had provided, but Brian is a little hesitant about it, and in due course. Um, but back to the dry cleaning. The money has been removed from the clothing, and Marty now has a story to chase down. But there was actually uh, something else in the script book. And I think I might have been the only one to find it. Okay, so that short scene where Stu runs out from the dry cleaners uh, with the, the, the jacket. In the script book, the roles are reversed. It's Marty that comes out from the dry cleaners. Stu asks, is the money gone? Marty says, yep, and so is our dry cleaner. Stu says, let's nail him. But on screen, it's the other way around. It's Marty asking, is the money gone? Stu says, yes. Marty says, let's nail him. Oh, it does too, yeah. And you know mm. that Stu was wearing a Triple M T-shirt. He's got a novelty mm. yeah. shirt on every time. Yeah, he was. And then, in, Who um, says you can't you know advertise that, on the ABC? Yeah. Did, you, did you know in an original draft they actually had Jay Stewart, but then they realised he wasn't speaking, so they just <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. On, That's why you brought on. in the big guns. Thank you. you. Thank you very much. There we go. <laughs> You're the first one off the rank for that one. So do you think they switched it um, for the show because... People might have thought, oh, Marty's quite well-known and they couldn't have him go in there and get the shirts they might be recognised or something like that. I think that's the exact reason, yeah. personally. Mm. So um, there's actually a scene that we haven't talked about, which is uh, Brooke and Emma are discussing the Michael Hutchins interview and, you know, the interview with the Prime Minister. And in the script book, there's actually a cut scene. And, Daniel, do you have it? Maybe you, Maybe you could play one part and I could play the other or something like that? Sure, I'm, I'm not wearing a red jacket, but uh, I, I think uh, I'll be fine with it for this audio medium. The role you were born to play. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start right down the bottom of um, the sort of first column. So this is the cut section. Emma yep. says to Brooke, aren't you even slightly tempted to make it a hard-hitting interview? And this is referring to the interview with the Prime Minister. And Brooke says, no, I just want the interview. You get the big interviews, you get ahead. Uh, you don't get ahead by pissing people off. So what if this is all about popularity and appearances? For who? Well, for both of us. You can't burn the big ones. It gets around. And anyway, I'm not an experienced political journalist. If I go in half-cocked, I'm doing everyone a disservice. I've got a better chance of revealing things by concentrating on the personal side. That sounds like a reasonable explanation. That's why I use it all the time. Now, it's interesting, this scene, isn't it? Because, like, it's it's very much kind of hammering you over the head with what this, this episode is about, which is, you know, you don't make waves if you want to stay employed in this world. And I, I guess it's sort of a contrast with, you know, Mike's approach with Bob Foster of, you know, going for it. It so, definitely telegraphs. Yeah. It definitely telegraphs that, you know, losing the Prime Minister because of uh, Mike's work um, mm. would have telegraphed it a little bit clearer. I like how it sort of like comes out of the blue with the um, the final cut. So it's 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 some mm. smart editing by um, by 
you know, Rob, Jane, uh, Santo and Tom. Um, it's a it's a beautiful little scene, but yeah, it's sort of like that power hits more when they all find out at the same time and we, we can dot the I's and cross the T's. So with Emma telling Brooke that Michael Hutchins is up for the chat right now at the very moment, Brooke has other plans and would rather have the PM and start fresh in the new year with a bang. I mean, Hutchins. So, <laughs> bit of a wordplay there. So while he's uh, sniffing out the highlighter ozone, uh, Mike is on the phone. <laughs> Did you notice that? He's having a... Yep. <laughs> yeah. Getting high off uh, the highlight supply. Uh, Mike is on the phone to Bob saying that the story is a... Him. No, no, no Traveller. Thought... I thought it was him traveling. I thought it was him trimming his nose hairs. No, <laughs> he was sniffing the highlighter. He was sniffing oh. the highlighter. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Maybe he was highlighting his nose hairs. There you go. Yeah, well, <laughs> he could have been doing both. There you go. Well, he's sorry. He's on the phone to the traveller. There we go. <laughs> Saying that it's a goer, uh, but. The traveller calls out the behind-the-scenes claiming uh, that Brian has probably got the documents filed away in his desk drawer. And Mike ends up proving the traveller right <laughs> after rummaging through mm. Brian's desk. And that's where Emma catches Mike and while he's going, oh, you know, that thingy. Yeah. And he was looking for the thing, yeah. that, that thing, and then, the oh, it's over there. No, you know, <laughs> I was yelling at the TV going, he wants the stapler clip remover, the stapler remover mm. thing. But, I know that that's that ah a claw thing. That's maybe a that's pinching what he uses. movement as opposed to a oh. maybe the maybe that's what he uses for his nasal, oh, his nasal, nasal hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All that comes around. Diffi- it'd be a rather difficult way of removing nasal hairs, but you know whatever you're into, guys, not kink shaming you. Not at all. kink shaming here. That <laughs> if there's a theme for this episode, Alison, we do not kink shame. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the kink. Uh, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> I won't start. Uh, uh, in the production suite, though, Hugh palms off one of Marty's uh, unlabeled tapes and uh, all the dry cleaning story. And Stu's like, I should label these. It's in a recycling bin. Um, again, layering it on. Uh, and in the kitchen, Mike calls out Brian's bullshit about the bank story. Mike, I want to nail the big stories as much as you, but fraud is a difficult beast. Jesus, Brian, these people have ripped off millions. Oh, millions. You divide that by the number of customers and you got four. Oh, I see. So we divide these guys, but we multiply the fridge repairman, do we? You just don't want to do it. Hey, wait a You're sec. You're fobbing me off. Wait You're a sec. You're fobbing me off. Wait, since when did I back off getting us ratings? <sighs> I guess. Now, look, mate, this sort of story is very complex. You know, you've got loans, trust funds. Our audience simply doesn't have the concentration span. Mike? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that bit where, where Mike's having a go at him and then Brian says, he just completely twists the conversation and says, since when did I back off getting us ratings? Yeah. You know, I, I, that, is such a, that is such a good way of manipulating that conversation in his favour, isn't it? And it shows mm. just how... Um, single-minded Mike is because Mike is Mike doing this for the ratings or is he doing it for the big story? So of course, mm. with Brian knowing exactly what to say, if Mike was actually doing this for the journalistic integrity, he goes, I don't give a crap about the ratings, but he gets to that later on. It, and that's what I was talking about earlier. That scene is just amazing where they're overlapping dialogue. And that's the beauty mm. of the late show with its satire is that it, balances drama with comedy so that in an 
on a heartbeat, on a hairpin, it can go from overlapping dialogue on top of each other to you know Mike getting distracted, just like their viewers, and you get a you get a that yeah. moment of uh, of of comedy relief. Just incredible writing, and just like the moment of going, oh right, so we times that, but we divide the other thing. Great writing. But you're noticing yeah. throughout the entire episode though that uh, all of them are bad at math. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They can't calculate. That's right. That's a good I, observation, the, the calorie counting as well. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have Daniel on set with his maths <laughs> that he can do off the top of his head. Right, Daniel? Getting getting the scientific calculator out. <laughs> Look, I spelled shell. Shell oil. <laughs> That's a nice shit scared reference. Thank you. Boobs. Yeah, boobs. <laughs> so after the dry cleaning story goes to air, Dom approaches Mike in the supplies room. Oh. It was a good show tonight, Mike. Yeah, well, it was your story. Yeah. You look really good on camera, Mike. Oh, thank you. I kind of like your camera team. <gasps> oh, sorry. No, no, don't oh, be. Oh, Mike, no, this no, is really be. stupid. No, this is really stupid. No, I've got to go. No, I've got to go. I've got to go. Tension. And then you see Brian is is observing the whole thing from mm. from offside, and, and the expression on his face—he he looks like he's won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. How was that? How was that for you guys? When I, I remember that moment, I remember when I was a teenager watching it, and I'd seen that tension between Dom and and Mike all the way through. It's so like this juvenile type of naive, like you know, unaware that they're flirting back and forth, and for this to finally happen, I remember. My, I'm there going. This is actually happening. This yeah. is. I can't believe they're actually doing it. Are they really? And then it breaks. But how did you guys? Do you remember having that same type of shock that this is actually happening, or was it out of the blue for you guys? It's been so long that I didn't even remember that scene. And when I watched it, it's like, <laughs> oh, interesting. About time they did. Oh, okay, that was it. Jeez, yeah, because I was expecting them to hook up eventually. I just couldn't remember when or if they did it. For 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 me, I I thought that yeah they would hook up, but perhaps not as suddenly as uh, yeah in the in the stationery uh, with all room. that stolen paper. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Watching it again, there was that that tension building up, and and then that sense of oh man <laughs> they didn't get together at the end only Heather Locklear in the background watching as well as, as well. There's, <laughs> like posters, there's, there's posters of Johnny no. Depp in the background of the kitchen yeah. at points that it's yeah. really weird it's to see all those very very early stuff. to mid 90s references everywhere but also there was that scene in a in the episode that we watched last time the party one where you know Mike kind of slags off Dom and says, you know, she's not very intelligent. Mm. He didn't want her to come to his party, you know, and hang out with George Negus and all his celebrity mates. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, it it's, I think, well, see, I think the, it's the, done very subtly. The only subtly. thing that sort of sours it for me is that it does, this encounter does get used as a plot point later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I don't want to spoil it right now. I mean, if you, like, if, if, if you, you have if not seen to, the episode if, and if you're, you're watching this, this podcast, podcast, well done. Yeah. Well done. That's yeah. a deep dive. Even better, yeah. if you don't want to know the score, look away now. <laughs> <laughs> look away from intently watching your podcast player yeah. of choice. <laughs> I definitely see that, Alison, that 
that Mike always played himself like or on a higher level. He tried to, yeah, yes. I'm more intelligent or I'd work with a higher crowd type stuff. But there were moments when the two of them would just spark off each other and he would yeah. let go of his his sort of like convoluted ideas of himself. And in many ways he's like quite teenagery of going, oh, I didn't want to invite her along because oh, we've got all these sophisticated people and all this type of stuff. But then when he got away from that bullshit of his own um, ego, um, mm. there was a there's a there's some sort of naivety there that that connects well mm-hmm. with uh, Dom that they kind of lost after that moment because then it gets caught up in the mean spiritness of it all. Mm. Yeah, it's a ni- nice innocence that they both share. I think mm. those characters. Yep. The next day, Mike meets up with Bob and asks for the vision for the story, which Bob does supply uh, the hidden footage uh, tape to Dubs. Where were they? Were they against uh, the Melbourne River, Yarra, do you think? Yeah, oh, it looked like they were on that lake, yeah. didn't they? You know, the where the Grand Prix goes around. Oh, Albert, Albert Park. Park. Yeah, Albert yeah. Park. Rob, hopefully you know. <laughs> yes, idiot. We all, we all go walking along Albert Park and then we go see the Yu Yangs from the foot of Mount Dandenong. There we go. Um, That's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nice. I barely know Melbourne, um, even from the, the brief visit last year. I know Adelaide a lot better, but they don't shoot a lot of stuff around Adelaide. They shoot Mortal Kombat in uh, South Australia. but mm, They did. Um, but, yeah, it does seem a little bit, yeah, you know, Lake Albert um, uh, area there, uh, which is quite serene and it looks a little bit Canberra-esque which is uh it does like, doesn't it it feel it made me feel like they're at like Burley mm. Griffin so I'm there going that's mm. why it's in yeah. that's probably what the image they were trying to be like like a near like a political well they're talking about government. you know a John Grisham yeah. novel and and you know so it's kind of echoes <laughs> of Washington DC and the lakes around there in the kitchen uh Emma and Brooke are with the PM's public relations people and they basically allow them to just remove whatever questions they want just bending way to the pm's people yeah and and they've got the nice biscuits out as well they've got lovely lovely plate of jam and chocolate biscuits there and the biscuits will will be back a bit later in the episode yeah they're the whole they were a big thing in they were a big thing in the like the mid to late 90s of those little like um uh tarts little oh, you know, jam yeah, tart things. yeah yeah they were yeah. everywhere everyone could get them everywhere and now they're God. You can still get those little tarts with the jammer. <laughs> oh, well, they're probably going to go by the wayside like fantails. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It just gets more ridiculous that each question that they, they strike off the list and the reasons they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Oh, yeah, no, we're not going to ask that. No, we're not interested in that. And it just gets more ridiculous. Uh, and they're just uh, basically bowing to all of their all of their PR people's uh, demands to delete every single question. It's really interesting the guy who plays the main advisor who's reading it he just seems to have the same as it from an acting point of view the same three gestures like he has hand on the chin hand to them and then cross the arms and he just all he does is seem to go from chin acting to hand acting to crossing (laughs) arm acting and he just alternates between those three and because i've watched this episode like three times before coming on i'm there i've pointed out and became especially when he's going up against you know powerhouse performers like alison white and jane kennedy who are you know 
play at their A game, it kind of stood out as a little bit uh, stilted for me. Sorry to the actor out there if he listens to the or if you've had him on. Have you had him on before? I know you've had the piss week kids on, so I don't know if you've already had. <laughs> we we haven't crossing. had this particular guy on. To be fair, he's yes. got about three lines of dialogue, and there's there's only so much character. <laughs> I know, but can... even with three <laughs> lines, it stood out so much. Yeah. I'm there going, yeah, that's just me. Maybe well, I'm being overly critical, Alison. So. No, this is what this well, podcast I don't know. is about. My, my high school drama teacher used to say, "There are no small parts, only small actors," and that, that's damn right. That's possibly <laughs> something you can keep in mind, but. Yeah, he, he doesn't get a lot, I'm a drama teacher and I use with. that to my kids as well. Do you? Oh, that's yeah. that's lovely that, that that's gone through the generations. Oh, it's it, it sticks around and I'm, I'm mm. going to pass that on to the next generation mm. of drama you, teachers you that come through. Play that yeah. clip to them and say, do not act like this. <laughs> See that? Don't do that, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do, if there's video, yeah, uh, listeners, we are doing all the acting of crossing <laughs> arms and putting our hands on our chins. Mm, yes. Mm. You can take it out if you want. It's up to you. Well, do you want to do it at the at the lodge? <laughs> yeah, a bit more personal. Oh, that's now that ha- that whole scene. I'm now no longer going to look. You've at You've ruined that scene for me now, Rob. I'm Can sorry. Never mm. watch it again. You yeah. can't unsee it. Just, just bring us some truth bombs to champagne <laughs> comedy. Yes. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the photocopy repair guy and his acting. Hey, oh, my Colin gosh. Conica. There's nothing wrong with Colin <laughs> yeah, Conica. Where's Conica watch? Yeah, yeah where's Conica? You know what? He's feeling a little alone. Is he here? Is I don't he know. Here? No, I, I have not. I did not notice Colin Conica. I don't Conica. think he's in this, is he? No. Yeah. No. I don't think I spotted him, but, you know, maybe, maybe mm. we just weren't looking hard enough. I had a very tiny moment, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's got an off-screen role. You, know you know the scene where Marty goes and confronts the dry cleaners. There's a bloke like standing, you know, in the background of the scene, and I did wonder. And I, I actually paused. I thought, <laughs> is that Tom Gleisner? No. And then I realised it probably wasn't. But anyway, so I was, was desperate thought- to find him, but I just <laughs> thought didn't. they might have a photocopier that needed fixing. <laughs> No, no, he was he was a dry cleaner worker, oh. and he—I I don't think it was him, but I just had this moment where I get, hang on, is that him? Nah. I love, I love, um, I love how the fact that it's shot like they shot it on low quality, like home video camera for the behind the scenes. Yeah, and then the high-quality stuff for on-camera stuff. And so there's a beautiful moment where you see D'Astasio go into the dry cleaner Mm. and you see it in the low-quality. very high-quality, isn't it? And then they they play of how it is on the episode and it's the high-quality. I love that shift from you see how it is in reality and how it is on TV. I love that Mm. duality that they just Mm. capture so beautifully. It's such a simple idea, but it works so beautifully. Brian acknowledges the tape that Mike provides and Kate gets it run down to Hugh to dub it and with Marty telling Hugh to make sure to label it. Yeah, good one. Uh, but mm, so the general manager uh, in Pharma uh, calls Brian to tell him to run the story, but only if legal can clear it and everything is read between the lines, Brian. So keep your nose clean mm. on this one. Uh, and you can't play golf with me, Brian. Yeah. As as the script uh, book says, understanding gradually dawns mm. on Brian. Mike talks to Jeff about the thrill of chasing down the story. And very short parts for uh, Jeff. Yeah, he doesn't get much in this, does he? Yeah. But there is potential consequences. 
There's not going to be any problems about no, you doing it? No, 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 no. Brian's speaking to Farmer now. There shouldn't be any problems. What sort of problems? Now, don't get excited. <laughs> just have to tread carefully, maybe hold it over for a while. Yeah. So, <laughs> careful, Mike. Um, and it's all starting to unravel for Mike now. There's also a great reference to um, Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, uh, like, uh, again, uh, yeah, Rob, you, you were talking about how, how dumb Mike is. Um, yeah, not to have known that they're the two that broke Watergate and then, and then, and then, and then and referring Bernstein. to them later as Woodford and Redford. <laughs> like I, I know, I know, I know it's I know it's American, but like it's pretty well known. I would think in journalistic circles, they must teach it in journalism. It's, it's well known outside of journalistic circles. But also, didn't Robert Redford play either Woodward or Bernstein in the film? Well, that, that's that's the Am moment. I, yeah. So so um so Brian says Woodford and Bernstein, and 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 Mike goes who. And he goes, the ones who broke Watergate. He goes, oh, yeah, Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> so he knows all the president's yeah, men. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the image has been tweaked a little bit as per Bride. When Mike wraps up the show, Emma does approach the desk when Mike wraps up. Uh, Brett's heading to talk, including it's like, well, you can't just uh, talk to me like this. You've got to have it be prepared. You know, don't you have any hobbies? <laughs> Prepared that, that's time. that's my favourite line. It goes, goes, you've got hobbies, haven't you? Here, take this back to props. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the, take take the paper, the pile of papers back to props. That that's the best bit. Yeah. And Brian giving Dom the day off uh, while Mike has been called up to management for a chat. Unquote. Mike, I've never liked these conversations. Uh, the story. No, I, I, look, we have rock solid evidence, Mr. Cove. We've got this, the, the tape now and, and all, all the information and documents, and I think we should run the story. Story? What story? Bam, bam, bam. He's uh, he's 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 good at playing playing the slimy character Peter Stratford as uh, as as uh, Mr. Cavill. Mm. Um, I think he comes back in season two, rocking a sinister beard. Um, but he always played that played that role so well, and especially the it's line. It's the that voice, I, isn't it? The that voice is great. It's the so sliminess creepy. of it, and yeah. he, I think um, he delivers the line that I I no doubt was put in specifically by the comedy writers that just had yes. to cancel a couple of sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> he says, says it really slowly. He says, "I just had to axe a couple of sitcoms," and it's like you just you feel the presence of death. At, oh, you know, and just 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 yeah. the, he's just on the side of his lips, he smiled just ever so slightly, and you go. It, it's a bit Vincent Price, <laughs> isn't it? It's a slight yeah. echo of Vincent Price. But I, I just want to point out here that the the lovely plate of jam and chocolate biscuits and the tea set is exactly the same as in the scene with the Prime Minister's <laughs> office. So just get, pedantry me on that. Pedantry. Thank you. Just well, maybe pedantry. the advisors just were, were watching their weight, just That's like right. Brooke, and didn't want to eat anything. So, so you're <laughs> suggesting that this, this they just channel re- recycles plates of biscuits <laughs> yeah. around various meetings. There's a lots, of, lots of carrots eaten around the studio, just not... Just not the uh, the jam tarts and biscuits. So yeah, we find out the the, the bombshell that yeah Mike could be up for a sexual harassment charge. Brian gives Mike the, a hypothetical ultimatum to drop the story, but Mike's not having any of it to a point. Uh, so off he trots to record the Christmas promo, and 
Emma gives Brooke some of the bad news because of Mike's potential expose. The Prime Minister's office just rang, it's a no. What? Yeah, Why? Yeah, I've got Apparently this story of Mike's, all sorts of shit's flying around. They won't go near us. Someone's had a word with me. Oh, Jesus. Darling, can this wait? You're right for me, you... Jan. Oh, you blew my interview with the Prime Minister. What? Oh, apparently they've got wind of your stupid story. They decide to pull it. You dumb bastard. How could they you have... How do we get on with oh. this now, please? You are unbelievable. Thank you. Why would that have... You... Oh, um... Hi, I'm Brooke Vandenberg from Frontline. I'd like to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a happy and safe New Year. For an asshole, Mike. <laughs> oh. God. God, imagine the, the the editor there would have just a very quick cut, wouldn't you, yeah. away from that? Yeah. Well, I'm sure, no I'm sure Matthew would be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear what Brooke had actually called Mike? So did, did she say rats, Dumb gosh, bother, or gee, I'm annoyed with myself? I think it was a, a shit, I think it was shit magnet. According to the script book, it is fuck knuckle. <laughs> Have a listen to it one more time. Darling, can this wait? Right for me, Jan. Oh, you blew my interview with the Prime Minister. Yeah, right there. You can hear the uncle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, how how good is Jane Kennedy in this scene having to yeah, turn turn on a dime, going from yeah seething rage to uh, Christmas goodness. <laughs> Look, you know this uh, this whole theme of this episode has turned out to be don't kink, uh, don't kink shame. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if I could put up with Stuart Little more belittling me, if I could have Jane Kennedy just call me a fuck knuckle and <laughs> swear at me and you in public. Yeah. In public, that would uh, yeah. that would that would make my that would make my life. Sixteen-year-old Robbie would be very happy as well as forty-five-year-old Robbie. Well, I'm That's... sure Mike Moore, aka Rob Sitch, was also very happy. <laughs> <laughs> the girls Brought a happy. bit of their home life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeff tells Mike that he's onto a great story, um, but Mike starting to have second thoughts now. Uh, right between the lines, but Stu is freaking out um, to Brian because he has discovered that Hugh has potentially wiped Mike's hot tape because it wasn't labelled. The thing is not even labelled. Do you think he's done a bloody dub? Brian. Brian, can I have a word with you? I'm, um... Mike, Mike, you are, you're not going to believe this, but we think Huey's taped over the bank book. It's gone. Whether we want to or not, there's no way we can run the story. Great. That you told me. That you told me. As Mike approaches Bob about... The bad news, sorry, the traveller, uh, <laughs> with Mike saying that he is prepared to walk if the story didn't go to air. Um, then, But because the footage was gone, there was no point that the story's dead in the water until Hugh finds the tape. That's a nice little twist right at the end. It's a beautiful mm. shot scene. Like you just have, mm. you have uh, Rob Sitch and uh, John Arnold in like profile right up at the foreground. Mm. And you've got the staircase in the background with this perfect shot of where Huey has to go. Um, sure, you don't hear the footsteps until like his last three. So that means Huey just flew down <laughs> the stairs hit the last three and then turned and went, found it. So that man has the ability to like hover like a Dalek does downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So 
Yeah, it's it's amazing that that you you don't uh, hear him sooner, considering all the coughing he does. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe he it's, only had three steps to walk. That's just how unfit he is. <laughs> yeah, the editing suite is just right there. Yes, right there at the stairs. Or he's like the T Rex at the end of Jurassic Park. You don't hear a T Rex at all come to attack the Raptors at the end of it. So yes, Huey and the T Rex have that same stealth ability. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a brilliant twist after you know that they've built up to this whole thing about the tapes potentially going to be dubbed over because because we we know about this potential thing happening and then all of a sudden yep and then it, what what happened next yeah it does it does leave it does leave know. you to imagine what what would have happened mm. after that um you know about whether you know you know whether bob and mike's relationship uh, may have survived this uh this weirdness for instance probably didn't I suspect because I they they would never have put that story to air. They would have used any argument they could find, legal, ethical, whatever. They would have they would have done. Well, that, that's that's the other thing. There's sort of there's pressure um, over pressure over pressure, just building uh, to uh, steer Mike into not running the story. And like it's not just it's not just on Mike, but it's also on uh, Brian and. Uh, yeah, like it's 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 Farmer, yeah, it's just it's you know, coming from above yeah. and just filtering through all of this pressure. It's an interesting thing. It's very much a product of television at the time, where television was at this time, comedy especially was episodical. There were elements, especially in season one and two, of little elements of story arcs. So you'd have a little bit of the D- Dom and uh, Mike kind of romance you'd have hints of jeff of jeffrey having a a crush on emma um uh, but it just was this episodic thing so they didn't really carry on with it um so much like when they get into later shows like hollow man and even utopia it's even less character based it's more just the situations that Mm. that are created but here with frontline especially in season one and two they had those little elements of character arc but not really story arc so it would have been nice to have uh, a carry on from that but the gag is that's where it ends so it's that sketch comedy thing of Mm. yeah that's the end of the gag that's the end of the sketch next week we move on to another one i i i hate to use the word punchline uh, (laughs) thank god you didn't I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you but, could have gone for denouement if you Oh, that's a good one. That's a good ooh. one. Yeah, and it's got a, it's got a bit of an accent too, so it's kind of classy. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost very much. Um, uh, you know, I am going to compare Frontline to one of the comedy great shows of all time, Faulty Towers. It's that case of where, in some ways, you're kind of rooting for the bad situation you're kind of there going yeah yeah that mike is in very ways like basil you're there going the best thing to happen and the good thing to happen that story does need to get out so that these people in power are exposed but you're so invested in mike and wanting him to survive you're there going yeah god i hope the story is destroyed or lost forever and you're going that's that's good writing that you get caught up in it so much that you want the 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 good thing to happen to the bad person well that concludes frontline season one episode 11 and the champagne comedy podcast episode 51 hooray we made it 51 so uh feel free to uh I guess send us some random feedback or pedantry style uh, notes that we missed out. Uh, email champagnelateshow at gmail.com. Twitter at TLS. Yeah, e- e- email us if you uh, 
Email us if you saw Colin Connor. Yeah, please. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, visit the site, champagnecomedy.com, Facebook, The Late Show page, or search for the Champagne Comedy Podcast uh, group on Facebook. It's on private, but answer the three questions and you're in. Thank you, as always, to Alison, Daniel, and Kim, and our very special guest reviewer, Rob Lloyd from Innes Lloyd. Now, here's your chance to plug any shit you've got going again. <laughs> um, thank all, you very all much. All good things, not just shit. Yes. Not just shit. I'll, 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 I'll promote all the, the good things and the shit things, and you can decide which is which. Um, <laughs> so Innes Lloyd have got a couple of shows coming up. We've got, uh, we're actually doing our 30th anniversary show. Our anniversary one-off show for this year is the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Um, so that's coming up. Wow. Before you finish that. This episode was recorded in June 2023. If you want to come and see Innes Lloyd do our tribute to uh, the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, we've also got coming up, we're bringing back our uh, show that we took to Adelaide Fringe, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, where we act out that classic uh, novel in an hour. And plus, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who in November, we're bringing back our comedy festival, um, Melbourne Comedy Festival show Time Lord, uh, back in November. So for all information about Innes Lloyd, for uh, links to our YouTube channel, where you can see all our clips from our late show uh, tribute last year, go to innesloyd.com.au. Um, and for me, personally, I'm uh, doing later this year... Um, bringing in this uh, second Shakespeare mashup show that I started with uh, Shakespeare Aliens earlier this year. I'm directing and starring in Shakespeare Ghostbusters at the Motley Bauhaus huh. in Melbourne. Uh, I, we open on Halloween. So we take uh, that classic 1984 film Ghostbusters and we're going to act it out as if it was written by William Shakespeare himself. Oh, so, Zool, uh, Zool, where are out they Zool? Zool forsooth, where art thou? Yeah, yeah, who wilt thou call? Um, so yeah, uh, uh, all links for that are on the Motley Bauhaus website. And if you want to keep in touch with me, uh, go to my link tree. Uh, so that's uh, linktree uh, forward slash uh, Rob Lloyd. And you can see where, get tickets to all my shows and find all my social medias and uh, keep in touch with me there. That is Wow. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll very, also very well organized. So, so, so much interesting stuff going on. Yeah, dude. Jeez, right? you're yeah. doing a lot, and all we're doing is a podcast once a fortnight. Jeez. Um, I have been <laughs> wanting to do this podcast oh, really? for years. As soon as you guys started doing this, I've gone, who. Who, as Mick Malloy would say, who do I have to root to get on this show? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the answer to that question? Uh, well, Daniel and I just got very intimate after the show. So. <laughs> okay. And we well, recorded again, it not, as well. No so. kink shaming. No, no kink, kink shaming. shaming at all. No. We, uh, I'm finished. very pleased for both of you. Honestly, I got Rob. very sweaty on stage for an hour and then we yeah. sat down and pressed record and had an intimate chat for about 40 minutes. It was, it was beautiful, Daniel. Oh, no, nice. it, wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was trying to, okay. It might, might have been about five, ten. Okay, look, Because, yeah, there, there were, there were a, a couple of revelations. All right, Daniel. So, uh, okay, you've just revealed too much about, okay? I go for 40 <laughs> or 50 minutes, all right? Okay, not five minutes. <laughs> I go for a long time. Wait, four and a half minutes, definitely not. 
<laughs> yeah, that's enough time to eat the pizza. <laughs> so again, thank you so much, Rob. And we'll put all that information in the show notes of the podcast too. So I'm Matt. Thank you for listening. Catch you next episode. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au. Are you yangs real clear? How good you can dance to this one. Everybody. We just run out of Melbourne cliches. Just run out of Melbourne cliches. Car wash, mouthwash, acting college, Boy Scout, your shout, eating. Oh, 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 it's it's the end of the episode, but I, I I forgot to mention that I was in an episode of Thank God You're Here, season one. Do, do I have time to talk about that? Uh, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for oh, coming okay. on. Oh well, no, I'll I'll just show myself out. Yeah. Okay. I'll just, Please. Thanks. Okay, I'll, You're embarrassing me. Thank, okay. <laughs> <laughs>